so here's my topic. I want to talk to you about making room for a miracle. Making room for a miracle. John chapter 2. John chapter 2. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. And when they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, they're just about out of wine. Now, now I want to pause right there. I, I don't know about the rest of you men, but I found that most women speak in code. <laughs> Insinuations and suggestions, they rarely just tell you straight up. Uh, in fact, and they expect, actually, guys, if you haven't figured this out yet, they do expect you to actually know what it is that they want. But most men don't know code. And so, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I'll say, so, so, so where do you want to go eat? And she says, I, I don't really care. And I believe her. <laughs> crazy enough to believe her. And then I find myself being somewhere and she got a pouty look on her face, looking at the menu. I don't know what I like here. And telling me about the salad she likes over there. And I'm, or other stuff like, you know, how, how, how you, uh, uh, is everything okay? And she'll say, yeah, I'm fine. D don't believe that. It's a code. It's code. So anyway, um, that's the first thing like to note here is that it feels like Jesus is being set up by his own mom. Because all she says is, hey, they're just about out of wine. <laughs> but actually behind the scenes and beneath her words, Jesus' mother had already made room in her mind for a miracle. Can I just tell you this? We, we can't make miracles happen, but we can make room in our mind for miracles to happen. If you got it, say, uh-huh. That's what Jesus' mother was doing. She's positioning herself as an advocate on behalf of something that she wants to see Jesus do. She's what I'm calling here the initiator of possibilities. She's shaking things up a little bit, point, pointing out the possibilities. And, and this little, this little code insinuation, it just, it's just kind of like, they're about out of wine. They're about out of wine. That, that's, that's all she said. And, and, and that doesn't qualify. It's code language, but it doesn't qualify as code blue, like life-threatening condition. It just points to a possibility. In other words, there were a lot of people in Canaan that day with greater needs, in more severe condition, more urgent circumstances, but, but it, she's pointing to a possibility. 
And let me pause again in the story and just say to you, don't let the fact that there are people with what you would call greater needs or more severe needs, or even some prayers that other people are praying that haven't been answered, don't let that stop you. When it's time for you to be an initiator of possibilities. Is, it, is anybody like that? You, do you hear me? Like, Because I think that we start reasoning and rationalizing. Like, well, our, our need is not nearly as important or urgent or severe. And what we would like to see Jesus do, it's really like, it's like I mean, honestly, when you look at this story from that perspective and, and her talking about they need wine, like, that is like really small compared to the fact that just a few doors down, there were lepers. And there were were paralyzed people sitting in the street. There were beggars at the gate that day. There's possibilities in all of our lives that are waiting to be named and circumstances that are waiting to be changed. In other words, there's possibilities that are waiting to be identified, spoken. And my hope is that on this night at City Lights, on a Sunday night, that I can somehow prod you, encourage you, provoke you, starting tonight, to start looking around you with greater awareness for possibilities that are waiting to be named. And circumstances that are waiting to be changed. Just yesterday, I was in a, I was in a conversation with a friend of ours, Pastor Todd Mullins. He and his wife, Julie, pastor a great church in Florida, and they have a son. It made me think about this because I was I was chatting with him yesterday, and they have a son whose name is Jefferson, who was diagnosed when he was two years old with autism. And the diagnosis said that, it, that, that he would not be able to function properly. In school, he would have difficulty interacting with people. He would have trouble communicating with others. And, you know, just the typical kind of report when a doctor wants you to really face the facts and know the reality. And They heard that over their son when he was just two years old. But Pastor Tom and Julie even though they didn't ignore, and I want to stress that, they didn't ignore the diagnosis or what the doctors told them they needed to do. But they decided right then, here's what they told Sheila and I, they decided right then that they would, would not allow what the doctors said to be the final word. They didn't let what the doctor said be the, the, the word over their son. In other words, they spoke a different word yeah. <laughs> over Jefferson. They spoke words of healing yeah. and they spoke words of faith and they spoke words of wholeness. And, and, and they said that even, you know, as time went on and, and uh, there were serious dark days in, in their life, we were sitting in a restaurant when they were sharing this with us a, a year or so ago. And uh, they, they, they shared with us, they said, you know, when he became a teenager, uh, we, he, there were setbacks 
And, and it, it's like everything that we thought we're building up, we're, things are getting better, things are doing better, but now he regressed back into a condition. Yeah. And, and it was worse, they thought, you know, just all that in their heads. And, but during that time, they continued to speak words of faith and wellness yeah. over their son. Yeah. And, and so I think we have a picture of him. I, I think we got one with us and grabbed it quick enough. Today, Jefferson, yeah, hang on, let me tell you a little more. He is a senior in university with a 3.9 GPA. He plays acoustic, electric, and bass guitar. He's a leader, as you can see, of worship. He's engaged to be married. He is living a whole, full, and abundant life. I'm talking about making room. Come on, I'm talking about making room. Look at your neighbor and say to him, make room. Make room. See, someone that you know right now is messing up their life right now. There's somebody that you know that's far from God. But can I just tell you they're on your heart for a reason. You're the initiator of possibilities. You're the initiator of possibilities for change in their life. I I don't know, like I kind of got a shotgun approach going on tonight because I just know there's stuff that God wants to do in your life. I don't know exactly who it is or what it is. I'm just feeling out some things. Like I I think some of you that are here on this Sunday night, you have met the robber. You have been robbed (laughs) of the life that you were meant to live. You remember Jesus said that, John 10 and 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, now oftentimes we, we get to the kill part and the destroy part and we overlook the stealing part. But, but I think we need to understand he kind of put it all in one sentence. He called him a thief first and then he said he robs you. He steals from you. He takes from you. And can I just tell you that your enemy is happy to take just one day at a time. He don't have to have your old life at one. He's happy to have one day at a time of stealing your joy, of stealing your faith, of stealing your confidence. And there's some who have been through some stuff in your life. You're here on Sunday night, and you've been through some things in your past. And when you went through that, you came out of that with, you didn't, you didn't have your joy anymore. And, and you didn't have the confidence you had before that season in your life. And right now I feel like I'm just coming into somebody's address and I landed in your, I'm in your driveway right now. I pulled up in front of your house. I'm walking into your living room right now. Because this is the kind of stuff that you can't always share with everybody and tell everybody. But, but you're here in this service and there's been a process you've gone through 
where the questions and the negativity and the doubts and the skepticism has replaced the faith and the confidence that once lived inside of you. Some of you, life hasn't been fun for a long time. It's been a burden. And you got ripped off. You got ripped off. You don't have your levity anymore. The levity is lightness. You lost your lightness. You walk around with a burden. There's a heaviness on you from morning till night. Spiritual life and vitality is missing. There's a rigidity that's come. Mm. I just want to proclaim that's not what God has in mind for you. In fact, can I just say, I'm believing that some of you, what is this, this is October, I'm believing that some of you, before the end of this year, you're going to hit this holiday, and because of right now, tonight, and what's shifting and happening and the word God's bringing to you, you're going to have the best holiday season that you've had in a long, long, long time. Come on. Because something's happening right now. And you're hearing what the preacher is saying. And and you're starting to make room in your mind that maybe this could be for me. Like, maybe this word could be my word. And God sent this guy from Seattle, from the Northwest, to come and remind me about the joy of my salvation. And that my joy is a gift from God. Man, Father, help me. Somebody help me. Possibilities waiting to be named. Circumstances waiting to be changed. Mm -mm. Tell tell your neighbor, I'm making room. I'm making room. Making room. Come on, making room in my mind right now. Okay, I got to go on with my story. I started a story. I got to go back. Verse 4, verse 4. (laughs) <laughs> you remember she just, she just did the code thing. Hey, they're running out of wine. Verse 4, Jesus says, is that any of our business, mother? I love this. Like, sounds like me talking to my wife. Like, she brings up, she is, a, she is the world's greatest helper. Seriously. She sees what people need before they know they need it. And she lives to help and serve people. But oftentimes, like, I'm like, is that really any of our business? (laughs) 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 Love you so much. Hey, G, I'm just quoting Jesus, folks. Jesus said it. Yeah, just quoting Jesus, Sheila. (laughs) Okay, I got to keep reading. Jesus said, this isn't my time. Don't push me. So in other words, I guess the first miracle was scheduled a little bit later. (laughs) 
but they're at the wedding hanging out, and she starts code language, and he knows, he knows, he's like, oh, here we go. And you can tell by the next verse how much she paid attention to what he said. He says she went ahead anyway. Again, kind of like my wife, that's what goes on. Like, having fun, aren't we? She went ahead anyway telling the servants, she tells the servants, hey, as if he didn't say anything. She says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it, do it. That's a fun moment. I was reading this this week and I, I'm thinking, man, that is so funny. Jesus and his mom exchanging words. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, folks, she knew who he was. You understand? She, she, she didn't read about immaculate conception. She experienced it. She, she knew who he was. And she knew who she was. <laughs> In other words, she knew that she had been given a say as his mom and what he did and what he didn't do. Jesus is, on the other hand, he's like insisting, I don't want to be in this position right now, but she plays the mom card. This is funny. It it was kind of like she says, Okay, I know, I know who your father is, but your father's going to back me on this one. (laughs) He's going to back me up. When he comes home today, you know he's going to back me up. She went ahead. She positioned herself just to see what Jesus would do. She, again, she initiated the possibilities. And I love when she must have just turned and put the servants on on notice. Again, it's not like, hey, he's about to tell you. It's like, just say whatever he says, do it. Boom. (laughs) Mama spoke, done. (laughs) Let me say this. Part of making room for a miracle is saying yes to things you've said no to in the past. Mm. Like she says to them, hey, whatever he tells you, like, do it. And I want to say to all of you, if this sermon, if this message, if this thought is is something you feel is from God for your life, Can I want you to understand that part of making room in your mind for a miracle is being ready to say yes to some things that you said no to in the past. My wife, Sheila, met a, 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 in growth track just a couple of weeks ago. She met a lady in our church, and she told Sheila the, her story and then Sheila asked her, to, can you put that in an email and send it to us? 
And so here, here's the deal. We have an offering every year, a big offering at our church once a year. I think you guys might have started doing that as well. And so she, here, here's her story. And, and she said that, she said last year, I'm, I'm reading her email, last year during Legacy Offering Weekend, I wasn't going to go. So when you do Legacy, we, when you do an offering on the, on the weekend every year and you start announcing it ahead of time, there's going to be people like this in your church. Like they go, I'm sick that week. I'm, <laughs> something, I, you know. So anyway, she's getting real honest. And so she says that, hey, I, I wasn't going to go. And I'm being honest, I skipped the year before as well. <laughs> But at the last minute, I decided to go. Something within me, for the first time, I just got up that morning and I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a part of the legacy offering. That weekend, she says, I gave more than I've ever given before in church. On top of that, I prayed hard for a better job something I've been hoping for over the past year. About a week after legacy offering, I got an email offering me a higher paying job that I hadn't even applied for. The email just simply stated, congratulations. You have been forward on to the next steps. And she writes, but I hadn't even taken, I hadn't even had a first interview. So she said, I called the number on the email, and I told them, you must have the wrong person. But she confirmed all my information and asked me if I was interested in the job. And I said, absolutely. (laughs) And the rest is history. This job has been the best job I've ever had in my career. And now she says, I can't wait for Legacy Offering. It's coming around. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? Part of making room for a miracle is opening up your heart and your mind to say yes to things that you've said no to in the past. And this is really important because... Many of you have gone to church in the past. You've had experience in church. You've been some sort of uh, a a member of a church. And there have been things in your past about your church that, like, you never never wrote protocol, your own protocol. You just kind of did what you did. But this is a new day. This is not the old church. This is this church. And for whatever reason, God brought you here, led you here. And God's looking for some yeses where there's been some no's in the past in your life. Can we talk about this? See, here's what we do as pastors a lot of times is that we know this in, in, a, in, a, in a culture today. Am I out of time already? No, 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 you're not. No, we, we didn't give you a clock. You don't I don't have, have a clock? Better be careful. Uh, <laughs> see, they're walking out right now. They're taking too much time. That's not about All right. Perfect timing. Here's what I want you to understand about, about 
pastors today, we have a, you, you know this, we have a consumer-oriented culture society today. So what happens is people go to church and they, they try it out, they test it out, and they kind of grade it in their own mind. And if it, you know, if it rate on a scale of one to 10, like 10 is the best church I've ever been to, this is crazy, I love this church. And then, you know, one is I'll never go back again. And then somewhere in the middle, they start giving it more of a chance. And then, you know, the pastor does a good two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. Okay, I think, what, what, what's the kids thing like? I don't know, my children, all the about. And I'm not, you know, I, I get it, I'm okay with it. But what a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of congregational members, saints, people of God don't realize, is that it works both ways. It's Sunday night, right? Like just Sunday night, we talk about stuff like this. Like, because it works both ways. We stand up here, we look out. I'm just filling you in. I'm being honest. I've been a pastor over 30 years. We look out at the faces and the people, and I and 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 I'm like, I'll I'll trade I'll trade two of those for one of these right here. I, 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 those five, I'll trade them, like give their seat to these five over. I, I, some of y'all are judging me right now. You are judging me. You're saying, what a bad preacher. No, I'm just telling I'm making it real. Like, like you hold up scorecards on your head, like, got, yeah, you got a seven for today. God bless you, pastor. Shut up. You got a four today in your worship. <laughs> you got a two. That's what I gave you. Uh, now, what was I talking about? I was talking about how the, that some of you are here now because God brought you back around, and this time he wants you to say yes to some stuff that you didn't say yes to before. You held back. Come on, you were a spectator. You didn't get involved. You didn't lean in. You didn't participate. And you went on around again. And this time, he's going to give you a chance to say yes to some stuff. And when you do, you're going to be making room for a miracle in your own life and in your own future. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching so good. Remember, I'm working for a job here. I'm, I'm hired, he said. Ah, what would I do? Okay. All right, story, verse six, verse six. Six, six stoneware water pots were there. So, so you're still, you're with me on the story? And, and they were used by the Jews for ritual washing. In other words, they, they, they're big. they each held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And now fill your pitchers and take them to the host. So Jesus, Jesus says, okay, here we go. Let's do this. Those water pots over there, those big ones, yep, go fill them with water. They brought them back. Now he said those little pitchers that you, you put the, the big water pot, turn it up over, pour it into the little pitchers, and then take them to the host of the event. Verse 9, and when the host tasted the water that had become wine, notice this little phrase, he didn't know 
what had just happened. But the servants, of course, knew. He called out to the bridegroom. And he said, everybody I know begins with their finest wines. And then after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. (laughs) But you, my friend, he's complimenting the host and... Uh, of, the, of the wedding, you, my friend, you have saved the best for last. So much I want to say about that. Um, what, what, one, one thing, just uh, I want to say this, that a lot of what God does, we, we miss. Like, like, again, the only ones who really knew that a miracle happened were the ones who actually were up close and participating in the process. Can can I just tell you that a lot of miracles are happening every day, but God chooses to work in the natural. God, God, God chooses to move into our lives in ways that we we if we're not really, really conscious, we'll just assume that, oh, we just bumped into that person. We, 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 we just met them. And, and then that person becomes the answer to our prayer. And we'll just think we just, oh, we just bumped. And never realize that was out of 7 billion people in the same space at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? God, God works. Everybody say God works. See, in all things, God works for our good. And most of what God's doing, we don't notice unless we're just really aware. That wait, 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 wait. That door would not, that didn't just open on its own. Come on. <laughs> No, no, no. No, that, no. Unless we're really conscious to where we start to see God in the fabric of our life, we'll just assume that everything is just kind of happening and that God hasn't been involved. But this is the way I'm trying to show you. This is the way that when God works, he chooses to work most of the time, is that everyone at the feast had no idea that water had actually become wine in the same room where they were at. They just enjoyed the wine. Is that good or what? They just enjoyed. And and you know what? The same thing is happening in this church right now, and it's going to be happening in years to come. The, the miracle-working God who sent a young man and his wife to this city with this vision is now a part of and leading this church forward. And he has already worked miracles. He is right now at work in this church, and he's going to continue to be... And, and most people will not actually realize how much God is at work in building this church. 
And sometimes only in hindsight do we actually realize, like when we stop and we pause and we realize and we start connecting the dots, do we see that, wait, 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 there was something divine about this whole process. I didn't just arrive here by coincidence or accident. My steps have been being ordered of the Lord all along and all through this sequence and through this event. Yeah. Mm. Anybody got a witness of that? Come on, turn around, tell somebody new, maybe behind you, in front of you. I'm making room right now, I'm making room. I'm making room in my mind. Come on, I'm making room in my mind. I'm making room in my mind. Okay, so this will be the last big thing I talk about. Miracles start with people who follow the path of possibility. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like this side. I'm going to go over it. Yeah. See, it all began by Mary making room in her mind. I'm imagining that Mary, when, when the bridegroom proclaimed, or the, the, the host rather proclaimed, you have saved the best wine till now, I'm imagining that Mary turns and looks at the, her boy. And smiles really big. Gives him a little nod. That's my boy. Well done, son. I'm just imagining that in that moment, she sent out a smile of approval in his direction. But let's go back to her. Because it all started with her making room in her mind, naming the possibilities. So let's think about it. If nobody speaks up, if nobody puts themselves out there, then the wine runs out. Am I right? It doesn't mean that every time you follow a possibility that you'll make it into a miracle or you'll find yourself in a miracle. But what it does mean is that if we don't follow a possibility, it has no chance. It has no chance. I said it has no chance of becoming a reality. I'm gonna show you something on the screen, uh, a quote that has meant a lot to me periodically over a few years now, and it actually, a great theologian in 1848 said this, and I just want you to look at it, I want you to look at it slow and read, I'm gonna read it with, for you and with you, but here's what he said. He said, it is a dangerous business to arrive in eternity with possibilities which one himself has prevented from being actualities. Possibility is a hint from God. 
a person must follow it. If God does not want it, then let him hinder it. The person must not hinder it himself. Are you a little dazed by that? That's, that, that's rich, isn't it? Staggering, huh? It makes you really, really think about the, the partnership that heaven, heaven has with us. Because a lot of people just assume that it's all up to God. God, God does what God wants to do, regardless of what I do. And, and no, 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 I want, I want to say to you that, that if you heard that, believe that, that is really, really bad theology. Yeah. Yeah, come on. That's not the way it works. When it comes to the work of God and God working in the earth, he's already decided that he would do good works in us and through us. And we cannot, we cannot without God. And God, for the most part, has decided he will not without us. Come on, are you thinking about what I'm saying? I'm talking about making room. Everybody say making room. Come on, say it again, making room. So God's decided to include us and partner with us to bring heaven to earth. Now, let me tell you why coming here is significant for me in a very different kind of way. Uh, I've I've loved your your pastors for, he said 2012, and I I don't remember the exact year, but I remember saying, Jabin, I want you to come, and him coming, and and our friendship and relationship, he came to our church, and our relationship as he ministered into our church, I knew God's hand was on his life. I'm coming here now after having heard him share with me when he first started feeling the call of God to this city and now arriving here today. But but here's why I want to tell you because it, why it matters to me in a unique way is because at the age of 26, my wife and our three-year-old daughter, we left our home in the Midwest and we traveled 2,600 miles to the Northwest with nothing but a vision in our heart of a church that God would use us to build. On top of that, the small congregation that we assume leadership of was in bankruptcy. I remember one older pastor, he he said to me, son, you, you have more guts than you do brains. <laughs> but if that's what you feel, I, I, I'm praying for you. <laughs> so, we borrowed money. We maxed out our credit cards. We moved in a little 800 square foot apartment with a only furniture we had was people who felt sorry for us in the 70 or so people that were there and brought, they brought a broken rocking chair. They, uh, 
we didn't have a we had a mattress and that's where we started that's and I was, we were excited we were just initiating the possibilities we just were making room in our mind no family our three-year-old daughter would look at me I remember one day looking up from the seat and she she says to me daddy where are we going home (laughs) my heart just because her grandma and her grandpa were both sides the whole family was back in the Midwest I'm not telling you this to, to in any way have you feel sorry. Now I get to talk about it because where we've come, where God's brought us to. But a lot of times people don't realize where it all started. It all started with initiating the possibility. And many times in our, in our ministry of over 30 years, I think we've been in the Northwest 34 years, and your pastor told you a little bit about our congregation now. But many, you know, thousands of people have found Christ. Thousands of people have been baptized. It's one of the most unchurched regions, as you know, of the country. Bunch of heathens up there. <laughs> We're doing our best to change that. But um, many times, you know, it's just not been easy and it's been hard. And I remember especially, this one's most recent real challenge was in the 2000s when, like 2000 and, uh, I'm sorry, 2000, I said 2000, 2007 to 2011 was a major financial crisis, many of you remember, and it really hit our area hard. It hit our congregation hard. We had an unusual amount of realtors and mortgage bankers, and all, when all that collapsed, like our, our resources just went way down. And I started, we started cutting ministry. And, you know, it's hard when you cut. You, it's not one thing to cut fat, but when you start cutting muscle and going into bones, when it's ministries that serve and help people, it was just a really difficult time for us. And, and so we were about to make some more cuts where we, we were like, I'm just like, God, this is going to hurt people. And I got a phone call from our office and and. The office said, hey, Pastor Kevin, I want to let you know that we received a check, an unusually large check, and they told me it was for $15,000 from a person we don't know. And they're not, you know, they're not on our database or anything at all, and we just wanted you to know. So I think this was a Monday or Tuesday that we received $15,000. And I'm like, yeah, praise God. Somebody we don't know getting that amount of money, that, that's great. And especially when you're in this downturn and you're, and then, and then, it was a f- couple weeks later, same. Here's what I said first day. I'm like, hey, go to the bank first and see if it clears. <laughs> That's a real man of faith, right? Like, <laughs> like, see if it clears. A couple weeks later, though, we got another one. And then a few weeks later, we got another one. I'm just talking about, I'm, I'm asking God, God, can we keep like making payments? Can we keep, and we have out, we're out here, Lord. And God, you've been so good to us. And in the, in, over the course of the next 10 months, we received about $200,000 from someone I never met. I'm telling you the truth. I never, I, I, I wanted to meet them. I wanted to thank them. And they just kept saying no to our office and our team and didn't, didn't want that, didn't know. 
What I'm telling you is, is when you follow the path of possibility, when you have the courage to understand that miracles start with people who just follow the path of possibility, that God's word is true. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And he will not allow you to be embarrassed. He will be with you always, even to the very end, if you have the courage to make room in your mind for a miracle. Now, now here's what I want to tell you. That last part is for you, not just individually, but as the church. Because I want to tell you, your best days are ahead of you. But every day is not going to be an easy, every weekend is not going to be an easy one. And there are going to be rooms bigger than this that you're going to believe in God to fill. And I just hope that all of you on this weekend get yourself ready. Start initiating the possibility. Like start thinking about God, you can do for us right here something unprecedented something that's never happened before we are not them we are not that church we are not his church we are this church and your hand is on this church come on you are with this church and you will never forsake this church you're gonna build the church and the gates of hell will not will not Come on, will not prevail. How many of you believe God's got a work to do? Come on, how many of you believe God's got something big in mind for the church? Mm. Wow, you ready to go? Come on, you ready to go? Are you ready for bigger stuff? Like this room is jammed and full and they're out there, a hundred of them. How about we have some bigger room? I'm believing for that 500 seat Sunday night room over there. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord, can we? Amen.